Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, just wanted to say thank you to all those who have served or are serving in the military. Uh, I'm not going to make you stand again, but we are so thankful for your protection uh, that you provide through your service of the, uh, over the years that you've been serving, and we thank you. Uh, Pastor Jeff is away today. He is off visiting family, so he asked me if I could uh, preach today, and I'm always uh, accepting. I always love to be up here and be able to bring the word to you guys. Uh, if you open up your Bibles to Ephesians 4, that is where our passage comes out of for today. But before I get there, uh, I just want to share a small part of how I became a student pastor. And I know some people have heard this story before, so just bear with me. It, it relates to what we are talking about today. Um, but growing up, I wanted to be a marine biologist. Ever since I was little, I, I was uh, loved the ocean. I loved going there. And before that, I wanted to work with dinosaurs. And once I found out that dinosaurs uh, aren't living anymore, I was like, man, I got to find something else. So I wanted to become a marine biologist. And I had my whole life planned out. Uh, even when I was in high school, I wanted to go to Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida, get a job down there and live on the beach. And that was just something I, I had my whole planned my whole life planned out for. But God had something else planned for me. Uh, all of a sudden, he started shutting all the doors that I was trying to get into to help me on my career to marine biology. I, I was trying to take an internship job and uh, for our high school, and I was trying to get this internship with this marine biologist place in the area I grew up in. Uh, they just weren't accepting anyone. And finally, I was like, okay, I guess marine biology isn't the path I'm supposed to go down. Maybe I'll become a veterinarian because I love working with animals. And God was just shutting all of those doors that I was trying to get into. And finally, the deadline was approaching. And I was really good friends with my student pastor. And I asked him, I was like, hey, John Paul, would you just be able to uh, sign this internship where I can just come and help you for these hours? And you sign off in the hours. And he said, yeah, of course. And uh, me being the not-so-bright person I am, I didn't realize that was God pushing me towards student ministry and opening up doors. But I did feel like God was calling me to ministry in some aspect. And so I started thinking, where does God want me to be? And as I was thinking, I was realizing, okay, I, I love mission trips. Uh, ever since I went on my first mission trip to the Dominican Republic, I absolutely loved it. Just experiencing a different culture. Uh, something that I loved is when we were both singing, and they were singing in Spanish, we were singing in English. And just seeing uh, that we're both singing to the same God, it was something that just blew my mind. And ever since that moment, I absolutely loved missions, mission trips. And um, I, I was starting to think maybe I should be a missions pastor. That was a position at our church uh, that I grew up in where a missions pastor's job was to uh, correlate mission trips throughout the church, to build relationships overseas, and to be able just to plan those trips. And I was thinking maybe I could do that, but I felt like God was saying, no, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. And he was shutting those doors. And then I was saying, man, I love worship. I love worshiping. Maybe I should become a worship pastor. But God didn't even have to tell me no on that because uh, he said, Jeremy, I have not given you the gifting to sing that well. And you also don't know how to play an instrument. Normally you have to have one of those two things. So that was a firm no from God. And then finally I realized, okay, God is opening up all these doors for student ministry. And I think that's where God wants me to be. But the problem was that's not what I wanted to go into. I, I do not like public speaking that much. And even when I tell people that, they're like, you're a student pastor. Don't you have to do that pretty regularly? And I'm like, yeah, but God called me to do it. And so I'm doing it. And so sometimes I get nervous public speaking, but I absolutely love it. It was something that I was running away from for a while. And after I talked to my student pastor, 
Uh, he said, Jeremy, I would love for you to just do a little sermon uh, to all the students for your first time. And I did it, and I did it on Jonah, running away from his calling. And I thought that was pretty ironic because that was exactly what I was doing. But I'm so thankful that I said I'm trusting in God and that I'm doing what he is calling me to do, uh, which is student ministry. And I absolutely love it. I, I couldn't think of myself doing another job at this time. I, I absolutely love talking with students and walking with students in their faith, discipling them and building them up in their faith, figuring out what their uh, spiritual gifts are so that they can uh, be working on it, so that they can be using it to go out and share that gift with others. And I'm not calling anyone out here in this. I'm saying this with complete love. Uh, but there's a stigma involved with student ministry, and a lot of people sometimes think that if you want to be a student pastor, you also want to be a senior pastor in the future, and that you're kind of just practicing for that ministry one day. And that's not something that I want to do. I'm, right now, I am not called to be a senior pastor. God has called me to student ministry, and that's nothing against Pastor Jeff or any other senior pastor. It's just God has called me to be a student Pastor, and that's where I'm going to be focusing because that is the ministry that he has called me to be. Because I, as I said, I love talking with students. I love walking with them. And that's what excites me is when I see them growing in spiritual maturity and when they can go out and share the gospel with others and use their giftings to bring glory to God. And so that's why I know I'm called to student ministry. That's, no, that's why I know uh, that is where the ministry that God has called me to be. And something that I want you guys to be thinking about today is what ministry are you called to? So let's jump in our passage of Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. It says, And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the training of the saints in the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. So every single believer is uniquely wired and gifted by the Holy Spirit. It's important that we all understand this, and this isn't saying that only pastors and ministers are supposed to go out and using these gifts for ministry, but the whole church is supposed to be using their gifts to go out and do ministry. My job when it comes to student ministry, according to this verse, is to train students to build up uh, themselves and their faith, to help them discover their spiritual gifts and how to use them, and to become spiritually mature and then send them out into the world so that they can share what they have been learning and share the giftedness that God has given them. And a lot of times we, we have it a little backwards, and we think that uh, ministers should be the only one doing evangelism, or ministers should be the only one going out and sharing the gospel. And yes, I'm going to do everything I can to help my students share the gospel, and I'm going to be sharing the gospel as well. But I tell my students that it's going to be 10 times more effective for them to tell the gospel to their friends instead of me going up to them. Instead of someone, uh, if I was a student and I had someone came up to me that was twice my age and said, hey, this is something that you need in your life. This completely changed my life and I want to share it with you so that you can accept it as well. If someone came up to me and did that and I didn't know them, I'd be like, what is this guy doing? Like, that, I don't know this person. This guy's trying to sell me something. I don't know. But if I had my best friend come up to me and he said, Jeremy, 
this changed my life completely. Like, I could not live before without this. I can't believe I lived without this before. It's building that trust with someone, and when you have that trust with someone, they're more receptive and they're open to it. And the reason why I think that is, is we, we see that Jesus did that. Jesus built relationships with people uh, before he shared the gospel a lot of the times. One of my professors at Liberty often said he often met a physical need before he met a spiritual need. And now, I don't want you guys to make this excuse because I have done this in the past. And because I originally, uh, I, I one time made the excuse of saying, like, I have to know a person well to share the gospel with them uh, instead of just um, going up and sharing the gospel with someone. But we also see that Jesus would go up to people and share the gospel with them and there'd be a conversion right there without any prior relationship beforehand. And so we can't just say that as an excuse because the Holy Spirit works in ways that we don't understand. And so we can't be using that as an excuse. But so instead of uh, me going out into the schools and sharing the gospel, I've been telling the students and that we've been training you so that you can do that because you can reach them much more effectively than I can. And now I hope that the students don't think that I'm picking on them because I do that enough as it is. But uh, I'm talking about ministries for all ages in the church. The church is set up for all ages, for all ministries. Uh, And whether or not you are a white collar or blue collar, whatever job you do, uh, you can find your ministry to serve in. And when I say you find your ministry to serve in, I'm not just talking about uh, coming and helping out in children's ministry or student ministry. But if you want to help out in children's ministry or student ministry, please talk to me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you about that. But that is not what I'm specifically talking about right now. I'm talking about where your ministry is in the community. Because no matter what our job is, we can still serve in some area. And we can still use the gifts that God has given us to serve that area. And the problem is, so much of us have just become uh, spectating. We've just been spectating the church. We sit on the couch and watch people do the job. And uh, a great analogy of this is, I'm sure a lot of people were watching football yesterday. Uh, Some people got a little more excited than others. Some people had a disappointing uh, game yesterday. But a lot of us, uh, and especially I'm totally guilty of this as well, but we'll we'll start yelling at the TV and we want the team to hear us through the TV, uh, even though we're just spectating. We we think that we know better uh, when we're just sitting on the couch and we don't know what the pressure feels like being surrounded by thousands of fans cheering you on. There's a lot of pressure involved and it's a little different when you're spectating versus playing. And some people think that they could do a better job in it, and uh, some of us are a little more out of shape than others, but uh, I know that I could not do a better job than those uh, students that have been training all year round, that have been uh, practicing over and over and over again. And I know those students uh, that have been practicing so much wouldn't want to be spectating. Because if you spend years learning how to play a sport, uh, you learned all the plays, you learned the best way to score a goal, that you've been training your muscles in the best way, you've been uh, training with your team so that you know how they play, they know how you play, and it's finally game day and your coach tells you to take the field and you just say, you know what, no, I'm just going to spectate. I'm I'm just going to watch this game. Like, no one's going to do that. You've been working hard for it and that's what you've been training to do, so why are you not going to be taking the field? And I know that lacrosse isn't a big sport down here, but in high school, uh, I tried out for the soccer team and I didn't get picked. So I decided to go for a walk-on team, which was lacrosse, and all of my best friends were playing that. 
And so uh, I've been learning lacrosse. I've been practicing as hard as I could. And if you don't know anything about lacrosse, uh, people have explained it like hockey, but in the air. I pretty much say it's soccer, but with pads instead. But you have a, a pole with a net on it and a ball, and you can pass back and forth with that. And so if, if you've never done it before, it might look a little easy watching it, but it's actually extremely hard just to run with the ball uh, and keep it in the net. And so I've been trying to practice as hard as I could to keep it in the net. Uh, I think we had about like two months prior before our first game, and I came to every practice, and I, I, I was honestly not good at all. I was awful at lacrosse. But I, I kept telling my coach on our first game, I'm like, coach, put me in. I want to play. I've been, I've been practicing for this. And I probably couldn't even pass to my teammate, but I wanted to get in. I didn't want to just spectate because that would have just been a waste of everything that I've been doing. And so much of us learn the Bible and we memorize scripture. We develop our gifts and we grow in Christ. And yet then we just spectate the church. We just spectate what the church does. They just watch other people uh, doing what they've been training to do their whole lives. And they may cheer for others. They may say, like, wow, this person is doing a great job. Or they may criticize others and say, man, they aren't doing uh, really what they should be doing. And so much of us like to split our lives into two different categories and say, all right, this is when I'm doing my church stuff on uh, Sundays and Wednesdays or both. This is when I'm doing my church stuff. And then all the other days of the week, this is when I have my job, my family and everything else I do. And that's not what we should do. That's, that's not what God has called us to do. Your job can be your ministry. You, you can't separate the two of them. Your, your family can be your ministry as well. There's a lot of stuff that can be our ministry, and we often like to separate and say, okay, the only ministry I can serve in is at the church, or the only time I can do church stuff is at the church, but then I'm going to do uh, all this other stuff that isn't pertaining to the church. When in reality, our whole life should be surrounding God and Him uh, and us doing the ministry that He has given us. God's call on our life is that you are to faithfully work uh, where you are, being an ambassador of Christ, representing Him wherever you work. Whether that's in your classroom, in the workshop, in your office, or your home, wherever you work, play, or live, that is God's call on your life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7.17, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all churches. So no matter what job you have, no matter what area of your life you're in, God has specifically placed you in that area to minister to those around you. And maybe some of us have no idea how to do that ministry. Maybe you have no idea what to say or how to do the ministry in the setting that you're in. Well, that's where the church comes into play. In verses 12 and 13 of Ephesians 4, it talks about pastors training believers on how to do that ministry to help them become spiritually mature, to nurture the newborn Christians, the immature Christians, to help them grow to become uh, mature Christians in Christ. And this process doesn't happen overnight. This This process doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long time. And a lot of times when people tell me, uh, when I tell them that I'm a student pastor, they're like, whew, you got to have a lot of patience for that. And really, you have to have patience for a lot of different jobs. But yeah, because a lot of people want that instant gratification. They want to see results right away. And when it comes to student ministry, or any ministry for that matter, uh, growing into a mature Christian takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. And believe me, there have been times where my patience runs very thin 
But I, I have to understand that it takes time for that maturity to grow. Just like with a baby, you wouldn't take a newborn baby and keep setting them on their feet and expecting them to walk. You can't just say, like, why aren't you walking yet? Everyone knows that it takes time for a baby to grow those muscles, to learn how to balance, to be able to walk. And believe me, I don't have that much experience holding babies. Um, I'm I'm not the type of person just to go up and ask, uh, hey, can I hold that baby? Because that's also kind of weird if you just go up to a random person. Um, but I, I get a little antsy while holding babies, and and the, I mean the best way I can explain it is so back back last summer when we went on a mission trip, uh, we the last day on our mission trip in Tennessee was that we went to a Jewish synagogue, and uh, while we were there, this lady uh, that was showing us around showed us what a real Torah scroll looked like. Uh, a Torah scroll, the first five books of the Bible, completely written in Hebrew with special ink, with special paper, all rolled up. And there's so many guidelines that you have to do. And she held one up that was probably about this big. And she said that it was about $20,000 for that thing. Because it takes about a year to three years to make, depending on how big it is. And so after she showed us that one, she t- took a bigger one out and got two of our students. I believe it was Carolina and PJ that were actually holding it. But just by the size of it, I was thinking, all right, this scroll is probably fifty dollars to $100,000. And if it rips, like, we're going to have to pay for that. And I was, I was freaking out inside for them. I wasn't holding it. They were. And it was the last day. I was a little exhausted. But... I was freaking out inside because I said, if they drop that, how expensive will that actually be? And luckily they didn't. They did a great job of it. But you can put a price on a scroll, but you can't put a price on a baby. And so that's why I, and I, I've, I've held babies before. I, I love it. I've held my cousin's babies before. And so if you, if you ever see me holding a baby, I don't want you to feel nervous because that might make me feel more nervous. Uh, but going back to the baby analogy... In the same way, when, when, spirits, or when uh, babies start doing uh, little things on their own, parents freak out. And I absolutely love seeing that. When a baby holds the bottle for the first time, like parents are like, yes, I don't have to hold this bottle anymore. Or when they start uh, pushing up with their legs to build up that muscle, parents are like, oh my goodness, he, he's starting to walk. She's starting to walk. Or uh, I, I saw this video and I was cracking up because the baby finally pulled itself up and took one step and then fell on its face. But the parents didn't care. They were like, my baby took its first step. And they're celebrating. They're enjoying these moments of seeing their baby starting to mature. And in the same way, we should do that with spiritual infants, spiritual uh, newborns, while they're taking their steps into spiritual maturity. We should be celebrating those little moments, those little moments as they're becoming more more mature and encouraging those moments as well. Because we want to celebrate maturity, because you need maturity to do ministry. In verse 14, uh, verse 14 says that the spiritually immature people will be tossed back and forth like someone caught in the wind and the waves. They can be deceived and believe the lies that people spread about Scripture, and that's why we need that spiritual maturity. Spiritual mature Christians won't be deceived by what people Tell them they will be firmly rooted in God and they will know what God's word says. And I don't know if you've ever encountered this before, but if you ever talk to someone about the Bible, you'll often hear phrases like, well, this is what this verse means to me. Or they'll say, this is what I think it says. And I'll just tell you that that's a bad phrase to start off with. That's when you should be throwing up a red flag because the Bible means what it means. 
Yes, you might have to do a little bit of cultural context to figure out what the actual intent, what the author was trying to convey to its audience during that time. But there isn't a hundred different ways to interpret the scripture. Uh, scripture doesn't change based on the culture in which it's lived or in the culture that it's read in. It stays the same throughout all time. And so sometimes scripture can be taken out of context. This is a technique or, uh, of deceit that verse 14 mentions. Uh, the best way to spot that deceit is to know what scripture actually says. And I'm not saying you have to memorize the entire Bible, because if you do, that's amazing, and I would love to know your secret. But you should know God's word enough to know when something goes against it. Just like bank tellers or anyone that handles money, if someone slips in a fake note uh, in between real money as you're counting it out, someone that handles money is instantly going to know when they feel a fake, because they handle money so much. And when you're around scripture all the time, when you're reading it, when you're understanding it, and when someone is telling you truth and then slips in a little lie, you should be able to catch that lie because it's going against scripture and because you've handled scripture so much in your life that you instantly know this is not something that is going with scripture. And so just for an example, last weekend uh, I went camping with some friends and we were all sitting around the campfire and the subject of hell got brought up. And there were some very interesting uh, views on hell, but this one guy was bringing up a lot of scripture uh, to back up his points of what he believed about hell. And it was something that was completely going against what scripture said. And he was, he was bringing up real verses from the Bible and was telling us them, but it was going against what Jesus said uh, beforehand. And so when you hear that, you should be throwing up your red flags. And uh, one of my buddies actually took out his phone and looked up the verse. And he said, like, hey, you're, you're taking this out of context. Like, yeah, this is the right verse. But what you're saying is you're taking this little verse and applying it into what you think, what you think that God is saying. Uh, and really, it's, something, it's talking about something completely different. It wasn't even talking about hell whatsoever. And so uh, it, it's something that when you're spiritually mature, you'll be able to notice those um, people that slip in that uh, verse to make it whatever they want it to be, to take in that verse out of context. Uh, and believe me, there's some weird theology out there. A lot, of, a lot of people, if you haven't come across some weird theology yet, it, it will happen because a lot of people will be getting their theology just from scriptures that they see online. A lot of people will take a lot of scripture out of context and people will debate about that. And that's where people get their scriptures from and not actually from the Bible. Uh, people will say sayings that they say, well, the Bible says this, but the Bible actually has never said that before in their life, uh, in its life. Um, it has never said that in the Bible. And so when you're spiritually mature, you can spot these deceitful techniques, whether it's intentional or not. Because a lot of times people will take verses out of context and they aren't really meaning to. They just type in Google like, hey, what is a verse on uh, perseverance? And they just take it out and uh, it, it can be taking it out of context. And it might help you in that moment. But in reality, you're taking it out of the context because you have to know what the author was originally saying with it. And you won't get tripped up by false teachings, uh, but you'll be able to speak truth and spot truth. Because when you're ministering to others, a lot of times they'll have questions. They'll, they'll uh, push back and say, well, doesn't the Bible say this? And it's, it's something that they've been uh, taught their whole life, but it's something that's not actually in the Bible. And you have to be able to know that and you have to be able to say, well, this is actually what the Bible says. And again, you don't have to know everything written in the Bible 
But it's good just to be able to handle it enough and to know it enough to be able to know what it says and to be able to spot what it, it doesn't say. And it all starts with being trained in the church and growing into maturity. It's not just waiting to hear a message on Sunday or Wednesday, but it's opening up the Bible and reading and digging into the Word for yourself and then taking it out and sharing it with others to wherever God has placed you in ministry. And uh, God's call on your life is to do ministry wherever you are working. Uh, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, and your, your ministry is to your children. Uh, if you have a family, your family is your ministry. Whatever job that you're working in, that is your ministry. What, whatever God has placed you in, or wherever you are in your stage of life, that is the ministry that God has for you. And I, I don't know, uh, if you don't know how to minister in your workplace, then please, Ask the church. We're supposed to be training the body of believers to be able to go out and share what they have been learning, that they have been sharing the gospel. And we're here to help train and send you out to do the ministry that God has called you to do. And maybe you don't know what your call is on your life, and, uh, or maybe you don't even know who God is yet. Or maybe you don't have a relationship with him and you want to begin that journey. Maybe you want to have, uh, ask some questions about this. Uh, and if you want to uh, begin that journey or have any questions, I'll be down in the front in just a second if you wish to talk. But for everyone else, uh, we need to be doing what God has called us to do. We need to start uh, taking the ministry that God has given us more seriously. God has placed us exactly where he wants us in order to do his work. No, no job is too insignificant to God. No matter what you're doing, God has specifically placed you there to reach others around you. And if we call ourselves Christians, then we need to be more obedient in doing the ministry that God has called us to do. Yes, there might be awkward times where uh, you bring up the gospel and some people might push back. There might be some awkward questions. And it's okay to not know everything. I tell my students, my students ask me a lot of questions and I have to say, I don't know. I'll look that up later, but I'm not perfect. Uh, I have to look something up. And so uh, it, it can be something that's a little awkward and scary at times, but it's something that we have to do if God has called us to do that because we need to be more obedient to him. And the best way to feel more confident is to be uh, spiritually maturing, to be relying on God uh, for everything because he has placed us there for a reason and he will make sure that we have the answers to say and will be able to build us up to be able to reach those people.